queen. Are you ready to conquer the world while conquering people's hearts? To touch the soul of everyone that comes into touch with you and leave them at least 1% better? To step into your highest, most extraordinary version through learning about the things that truly matter when leading your empire? Then I warmly welcome you to the Queen of Hearts podcast. My name is Yasmin, call me YOYB, and I develop the human behind the label CEO. So without further ado, have a seat on your throne, let's dive into today's juice and make you a queen of hearts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode in the Queen of Hearts podcast. And I'm sitting in front of a very, very beautifully glowing, smiling person that I know for like, it's it's over a year now. We went or came into each other's life in I think it was December 2021 correct me if I'm wrong was it 20 December November something like that it was the end of 2021 and ever since then we played a role in each other's life I would say it like that and in front of me I have the beautiful beautiful Chantal Chantal is an expert when it comes to the field of nervous system, self-expression, and many, many other things. I could probably list them all, but then we would sit here for like a couple of hours. So I'll just Aww. focus on the things that we're going to like dive in today. And I would give you the mic now to introduce yourself the way you want to. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm Chantal. I'm a nervous system coach. I, I usually call myself a transformational coach because the type of work that I do involves transforming your life, essentially. And um, I work with the nervous system. I work with trauma so I can help you heal your trauma and go through or into the depths in order to yeah face all those fears and everything that you've got down there. And swoosh it all away <laughs> so that um, you'll just be left with who you actually are, the real essence of you. Oh, that's so, so beautiful. I love mm -hmm. that. Thank you for sharing that. We agreed on diving into a very, very, it's not a popular emotion, of course, but <laughs> we we were talking a little bit and we identified that so many people are experiencing shame in their business, in their lives. And that's a very deep emotion. And it's an emotion that's like not the easiest to get out of, if I can put it like that. So we're going to dive into how shame may be influencing and impacting you and your life currently, you yourself as a person, you yourself as a business owner, and how Chantal works her magic to also maybe support you and help you get out of that. So if you don't mind, I would just invite you to open up the conversation with your view on shame, how you experience this, like translating into the lives of your clients, maybe even of yourself, if you want to talk about that and just like open it up and drop everything that really comes to your mind about that topic. Sure, I love to. <laughs> um, well, shame, first of all, if we think about the nervous system, is um, categorized within the freeze category. That means that if you have a nervous system response, if you cannot hold a certain emotion or if you cannot 
let's say, withstand a certain emotion, you can drop into one of these responses. And the other responses are called fight-flight, so fight or flight. And then we've got the freeze response. And within the freeze response, we have the so-called fawn, which is basically people-pleasing behavior. And within this fawn response, you can find shame as an emotion, as a core emotion of one of the, either the freeze or the fawn response. What exactly that means is as a person, if you feel that you have a lot of shame, if you feel that you are within that um, response, nervous system response, you'll often feel very sluggish. You'll often feel very tired. You'll often feel very like you don't want to get out of bed. You're very heavy. You're procrastinating. You don't necessarily feel like you can get ahead in life and you feel like you cannot do anything. So this statement, I can't, is a very predominant statement within this freeze response, within having shame. And shame also, shame is like, sorry to say, but shame is a motherfucker when it comes to <laughs> those like emotions, right? It's It doesn't only make you feel shameful, right? It also basically enables you to go back into the vicious cycle of shame. So because of shame, you won't express what you really feel. And because you won't express what you really feel, you'll probably generate even more shame. And it just keeps on going and going and going and going until you realize that you're in a pit of shame that you cannot crawl out of because there are these big monsters that you have to face. <laughs> and so these big monsters at the end of the day are really just small things but i don't want to i don't want to downplay it like that but at the end of the day these seemingly small things were made big because of the cycle of shame not because they were actually big in your life could be could be but of course another underlying cause of shame could be trauma it could be that as a child you were always shamed for not doing what you said you would do or you were shamed for bringing home bad grades or you were shamed for not again not doing something that your parents wanted you to do and this is essentially something that will repeat in your business as well right you're going to shame yourself for not doing something that you wanted to do you're, you're going to shame yourself for having said you wanted to do this, but you can't really get it done. And again, can't get it done. I cannot. I cannot is something that is so typical within the freeze response. And you have to keep on observing what you really think and how you really feel in order to catch that, in order to see that, oh, okay, if I say I can't, because everybody can, like I can't is the biggest, like the biggest lie you're going to tell yourself. But at the same time, it reveals so much about your nervous system response at the moment. And when the, I think the, the, the worst thing that can happen with shame is, is, is if your shame is tied to your person. If your parents or your caretakers have shamed you for being who you are. This is, in my opinion, like the most hurtful thing that could ever happen to you because then you will never, ever, ever, ever express yourself to the fullest. You'll never, ever really be who you are because you were not accepted in the first place for who you were and shamed on top of it. So you're going to stay within that cycle. So with my clients, I see that um, come up a lot in shaming themselves mainly. It's not really that they shame others. It's really just that they shame themselves when they can't do anything they shame themselves for who they are, especially when they're trying to express something. They 
they do shame others within their, they won't tell others, <laughs> but it's like this, you know, when you're with a close friend and you just talk about somebody and then you're like, yeah, we're just talking, you know, that's, but that's what happens with them as well. They start shaming others for what they actually want. So like this typical projection, right? Um, and what I do with them, the first, the first step that I do with all of my clients is just to communicate and to observe because, and this is the thing, this is really the crux of it. They feel shameful to tell me things just because I'm the coach doesn't mean that they're going to tell me everything right, right off the bat. They usually withhold a lot of information at the beginning because they're so freaking ashamed of everything. And as a coach, it's my responsibility to just not judge at all to just always have that open space for them to just feel welcome to feel seen to feel loved to feel protected as well that i won't judge them but shame or unshaming the process of unshaming has to be learned so once a client decides to tell me something that's potentially shameful they will learn oh wow okay there's no shameful response that comes after that and then they will have to do that again and then they will learn oh okay so that's that's not going to happen maybe in the future because they're so unsure of themselves because shame is always coupled with insecurity always that they will just really slowly have to learn to um, basically to trust again because having shame also means not having trust at the same time. So it's this within the relationship to trust that this person's not going to judge you. However, that's not true for everybody else in your life. And that's not true for the environment you're in. So being in, in a shameful environment while working through shame is the worst thing that can happen to you because you're never going to get out of it if people still persist to shame you and you're going to still believe them at some point. So there's like this double-edged sword about this. And um, yeah, well, I could go on forever, but uh, you mentioned myself and I've actually asked that question. I have rarely been shamed because there were different mechanisms in my life. So I do not feel a lot of shame when it comes to business. I do not feel a lot of shame when it comes to my person. I'm actually quite shameless. If you go out with me, you'll see that. But you already know. <laughs> I mean, Jasmine already knows that. <laughs> but um, like, I'm quite, yeah, I'm like people probably will be ashamed of me if they go out with me at some point. But I feel like there's some with within my personal life, there might be more shame around maybe sexuality, because that's something that's always been shamed as a woman. And as a woman coming from a half Filipino, half German background, where my mom was very spiritual and would always like put some limits to how femininity can be expressed. So that's maybe more something where I would ever, if if ever where I would feel a bit shame, but not actually that much. So it's an emotion, which is funny, that I do not relate to at all. But at the same time, I'm so keen on helping that that emotion. So that's, yeah, I hope I answered all your questions. <laughs> I don't even know what I was asking at the beginning. I was just so, so, so like drawn to you and listening to you while you were talking and I don't know how the listeners feel but I extracted so many learnings from only you quote-unquote rambling about the things you were like rambling about and I love it and I find it super super interesting that you brought up the topic of sexuality because I know that when you started 
going into like your coach profession that was the first thing you were teaching on right like yep. embracing embracing your hotness your femininity your sexuality and so on and so forth and you were so liberated with your self-expression when it came to that that I would have never ever in my life thought that that would be something you could like carry shame around or whatever so uh, very very interesting when it comes to that and When it comes to shame, and I, I love that you can't really relate to that emotion because I think that's a beautiful thing. In my childhood, I was constantly hearing the German like shame dich, shame on you, right? It was like shame on you, shame on you. Like you you embarrassed me. Like you were like taking a wrong breath basically and you were embarrassing your mom. So that was, I, I was dealing a lot with shame in my life. And then mm. with, ex-partners who were very judgmental of how self-expressed I was and all the things my friends would then judgmental of how self-expressed in terms of like happy and quirky and weird I was so all the things that you mentioned in terms of people probably feel ashamed when they are with me or around me I experienced the same and at the same time I also love being with you because I feel like that's very, very freeing to someone who still carries like a little bit of a quote unquote lock around their self-expression. So I find it very, very healing to be in an environment with people who are very, very unapologetically self-expressed and just don't give a fuck about what <laughs> other people think. I mean, I just, I just have to think about our facial expressions and our voices we made when we went to that show we went together a couple of weeks ago so I, I loved it it was so so funny um and you were talking about like slowly unshaming or going into the process of so slowly unshaming with your clients and I have obviously a lot of questions from my clients all the time about how do I truly like change my patterns how do I truly change my behavior and my response is always the same it's like slowly unlearning and learning that the new ways are safe for you right would you like to elaborate on that from a nervous system perspective like how do the inner like processes look to truly make something safe for you okay that's a very loaded question but I love it um, so let me start at, I guess, let me start at the beginning. Um, when you think about the brain, right, uh, as a system within our, within our body, so a separate system, the brain basically judges what is safe and what is not based on the environment and based on what's learned at the beginning. So for instance, when an emotion is safe, let's say, let's take a different emotion this time. Let's take, um, Anger. If anger is safe and you know how to be angry and able to express your anger in a healthy way without like lashing out on others, then you wouldn't go into these responses that I mentioned earlier, like fight, flight or freeze. And you would just express your anger and be like, ah, fuck that. That sucked <laughs> or, or something like that. Or you would just be like, man, I don't know, something something that I do grunt when I'm angry. Like I'm like, And then it's gone and then it's fine. And then I'm good. So I express my anger and then I see what was actually underneath that because anger is always a, I like to call it a gateway um, feeling, like a gateway drug. It's not really the real thing. It's like just the thing in between <laughs> um, because I tend to look then at what's be behind it, such as pain, hurt, 
Anyways, so what happens in the brain is it um, it bypasses the stem. The brain stem is this is where the, the so-called reptilian brain is where our responses happen and our survival responses happen, which means is it part of survival? No, then it gets processed into the neocortex, into the thinking brain, where we can actually think about what we do, what we want to do, how we want to react without like starting to shout at people randomly or starting to just be like, I don't know, real mean bitch to somebody. And um, so this is what happens from the brain perspective. This is also called neuroception. And neuroception is basically the pathway of your nervous system or your nervous cells that are being created. So basically, nervous cells are not wired a certain way since birth because they can be rewired. So there's a saying that we have um, in the nervous system work, which is nervous system cells that fire together, wire together. So the more you utilize a certain set of whatever it is, a certain emotion, a certain um, response, a certain behavior, the more it gets wired in your brain. It's just like learning. When you learn something, you have to repeat it. You can't just learn something one time unless you're like, you have really super good photographic memory and then really um, embody it as well. So it's all about the embodiment, right? And these these pathways that are being created, um, especially when shame is not safe for you, means that this pathway doesn't even go. It, it, it sees, oh, potential situation. For example, didn't get enough sales. Ooh, not cool. Shame response immediately. Because the pathway hasn't been created of not shame right? Of feeling okay with it, feeling that, hey, that's just part of business. If you don't, if you don't sell out one course and what does it even mean to sell out, right? So um, basically what you have to do is imagine it like a path. So you have this path that is, uh, has these unsafe cars and these unsafe cars are just driving around. What you want to create is you want to create a new path with lots of safe cars that have like, imagine cars having like a cushion around them. <laughs> like basically like cars that could bump into each other and nothing would happen. And this is what you're trying to create um, with a new behavior, meaning not feeling shame shameful or ashamed of a certain of a certain thing that happens in your life. And so this has to come with each and every step, whether this is an experience that you have. And this be, this also pertains not only to you, for example, sharing something to your coach, right? So not just my client telling me, hey, this is shameful, but I would like to share it anyways. But also when you are actually being shamed by a person to be able to put up um well, yeah, like a, a boundary and to say, listen, this is stop shaming me. But you can only put that boundary up as long as you're regulated, which means you have to be um, outside of these responses. If you're in these responses of fight, flight and freeze, you are dysregulated. That's what it essentially means. And if you're within your I like to call it the green zone where you're just calm, you, you can think about things before you start acting. This is where you can actually make that decision to say, okay, I'm going to try putting up a boundary. Let's see how I feel about it. Even putting up a boundary can mean shame. 
right? Can be everything can be so shameful. And this is the the well, the worst thing about shame, I'd say, because shame doesn't just repeat itself in the cycle, but everything else that you do causes even more shame. So it's really about feeling, going through the feelings as well and making sure that feeling the feeling and extending the capacity for the feeling is also safe within your body. So there are two ways by doing this one way by actually, you know, actively telling your coach things that are shameful for you. And secondly, by actually feeling in like in a session, feeling into the shame and extending the capacity for shame. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I know you're also very, very deep when it comes to emotional and somatic practices. What would really going into shame look like or how would you guide someone into that um because i know so many people feel way safer in their heads where they don't have to feel something because the feeling is obviously uncomfortable so they are like is it correct to say they are in the permanent like flight mode when it comes to feelings because they're like avoiding them they are like making a big circle around them and hopefully never like touch them in any way <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because shame uh, doesn't only like doesn't come alone. It comes in pairs. So it could be that um, the more seldom pair is shame and, and anger that, well, you've, you were angry and then you're ashamed for <laughs> your shame for being angry. So anger and shame, right? You were angry. You feel ashamed that you were angry. It's you, you see that in parents a lot, but they're not ashamed towards their children. They're ashamed towards themselves. So instead of apologizing to their children, they just beat themselves up for it, for being so hurtful. Um, the other pair, which is more common, at least that I see more commonly within my clients is the pair of um, shame and flight. So shame and fear, super, super common because you're afraid first. And then because you can't do something, you feel ashamed, for instance. So absolutely. But I would like to ask you, do you want to do it with me? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. It's so Funny, like everyone that I interview on this podcast is, is trying some tools out with me. Like, <laughs> I love it. Like, I'm, I love to be like the experimental bunny for all of my interview partners. So use me. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to use you now. Um, <laughs> all right. So in order to make sure that I'm just going to explain to the listener, in order to make sure that Jasmine is um, regulated, I'm just going to ask her to pendulate left and right with her body, kind of like a seesaw, like a swinging kind of a movement. So you can pendulate from left to right or from front to back. I just feel front to back is a bit weird with the microphone. So I'll get louder and not louder. Um, and it feels a bit like you're in a clinic somewhere, right? <laughs> These people. So um, I'm just going to make sure that she is staying regulated while this happens. But we don't need to do this once she is in the emotion, because this tends to Yeah, kind of regulate the emotion away. And we don't want that. I just want to do a little somatic practice to know that she's regulated. But I also know that she just got up and she probably is still regulated from sleep because sleep is very regulating. And yes, so I'm just going to so, assume that. How are you, how are you feeling? Yeah. So, so that would be the question to make sure someone is regulated because I wanted to ask, like, how do you actually make sure someone is regulated then? Mm, I asked them how they feel. So how are okay. you feeling? I'm good. Okay. I'm excited, but not in a way of ooh, super curious excitement, kind of like just this curiosity of ooh, what are we going to do now? 
So I'm using tools of, um, I think uh, Jasmine knows these tools from the Taboo Institute. Um, they're called sensory acuity and intuitive acuity. So sensory acuity means I'm trying to sense the person. I can very easily sense if they're in fight flight. I can very easily sense if they're in freeze because freeze, they're like sluggish. They respond very slow. They're like, oh, I don't know. I can't. They're very, also the movements are very slow. And I just ask them, do they have any physical um, sensations basically? And they usually say, no, they feel very dull and very um, numb. When you're in fight flight, you'll notice that the person's a bit more eh, faster, talks a bit faster maybe, is a bit like excited and is like, like that a little bit. Um, and even though some people might think I am that <laughs> sometimes, um, it's just part of being in the sympathetic response as well. So when you um, when you ask that person, you basically check their vitals, check what they look like at the moment and, and how they are vibrating. And I mean, we're not talking about style or something, right? Just talking about like from the inside, <laughs> And um, when it comes to intuition, you just want to sense like what, what feels right right now, because as a, as a practitioner of somatics, I usually know, okay, I'm always safe when I pendulate with my clients, right? I'm always safe that way. I know that no matter where they are, they will get to a kind of regulated state when they start to just move a little bit. If I'm a bit more, you know, if I think like Jasmine is in fight flight right now, I'm just going to ask her to shake things off. I'm going to ask her to stand up and shake things off, but she doesn't have to do that right now because I don't see or think or feel that she's in either of those states. So what I'm going to ask her is I'm going to ask her to stop pendulating right now. I'm going to ask her to put her hand on her chest and the other hand on her belly and just to breathe in through her nose and exhale through her mouth. And through her mouth has to be a bit longer than the inhale. So just inhale through your nose. And then exhale through the mouth. And then just keep going one more time. Inhale through the nose. This is called the vagus nerve breathing technique just to get her further regulated. And now I'm going to ask her to imagine a scenario that was very shameful in your life and to actually feel it in your body and not just think about it. So kind of tell me and talk to me the whole time. You can keep your eyes closed if you want. You can keep your eyes open for more safety and just think about the scenario and then feel the feelings that come up in your body and tell me where they come up. So now she's feeling into them. Mm. And do you want to know the scenario also? Um, not necessarily. If you want to share, you can share that. But um, I also want to know where you feel it in the body. Yeah, I, I would probably share it for context for the listeners because they obviously can't see us right now and could be a little sure. bit like, awkward just listening to this. But um, I remember... Uh, situation very very vividly where we were living in a very first flat and I was like five four five six nothing older than that I guess I don't even I can't even remember if I still was like in primary school I I don't know I was very young probably between four to six four to seven something like that um and my mom had a guest over. I don't even know if it was like a birthday party. It, it was some kind of party and she arranged some like food and snacks. And do you know Giotto? Mm -hmm. 
Oh my God. I loved them when I was a child and she would put them in this like beautiful little, yeah, it was a bowl, but pretty like long shape. So every single Jocho, these are like little, um, little, little balls covered in like nuts and there's a cream inside. So it's something sweet. It's very, very yummy. And she was like placing them very, yeah, it looks very, it looked very beautiful. And I was like, I was so young and I was running around and I was having fun and I was eating these Jotto and I ate one after the other. And then when everyone went away, she was like very, very shamefully approaching me and she was very, very angry. And she was like, you embarrassed me so much. You ate all the things. These were for the guests and so on. And it was like projecting this thing of you have no self-control and you don't think about others or you don't care about others and you just take what you want, some kind of that. Mm. So that was like a very like deep cut because in that moment, in that situation, I don't think any of the guests had a problem with that. It was just like how my mom felt we were appearing in that moment. And she was very ashamed when it came to that. And it was this, oh, because in that moment I felt so good and I had so much fun and there was like no bad feelings or whatever. And there was no like subtle sign from her side to say, hey, can you leave like one or two for the guests as well? There was nothing yeah. like that. So I thought everything was fine and just had like fun the whole afternoon. And then later to get like that kind of in your face energy, that was <laughs> in, in some way that really hurt obviously and yeah. like let let left a deep cut um and where I was feeling it it was like do you still feel it uh when I when I think into it yeah I I can like really get that feeling into okay. the present moment it's okay. like um it's it's yeah the upper shoulder area where there's like a burden that you carry mm. and where you like how do you call it? Is it hunch? Is it when you crunch yeah. something like that? Um, yes. And you're like in this, who better take care like state kind of like yeah, when like when ducking. you are in, yeah ducking like in defense mode kind of ooh, just mm -hmm. like be aware something could happen or come. You got to be ready to fight mm -hmm. it or flee basically. Yeah. Do you still feel it right now? Yeah, maybe it's a bit heavy on the shoulders. Yeah. Mm. Try to focus on it. Feel you can go ahead and close your eyes and just focus on it and, and feel it. So the reason why I usually don't let my clients explain what they're thinking is because it gets away from that feeling. But for the purpose of this podcast, of course, um, I think thank you so much for sharing that story. That's very personal and very deep as well. Um, and what we're going to do now is we're going to try to get her back into that emotion, like really into it, instead of just thinking about it and kind of feeling that in her body and in her upper back and seeing if she can hold it and just keep it there. What does it feel like right now? Heavy. Heavy? It's like wearing a heavy backpack and it's like, oh, I just want to be like straight, yeah. straight my spine. <laughs> What kind of sensations do you feel? Is it hot, cold? Yeah, it's, it's it's basically it feels very neutral except just heaviness. Like there's mm. no hot, no cold. It's just like it's it feels like the longer I sit with it, the heavier it gets, and the more yes. I like hunch. And it's like it that's feels okay. like I wanna I wanna rest my head <laughs> on the desk. Go for it. I mean, yeah, that's okay. Just um, just feel that. Yeah. Do you still feel it? Yeah. Is it still safe to go on? 
Yeah. Okay. Is it moving or is it staying there where it is? It's staying. Hmm. Are there any other body parts that are also affected? Not really. I find it funny how I'm sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> She's literally like hunching over a bit right now. <laughs> About to kiss the microphone. <laughs> yeah, it really feels like these vests when you go into the x-ray room. These with, yeah. with the metal inside, like that kind of heaviness that really like drags you down kind of. Mm. Yeah. Is, is it still there? Yeah. Okay. So what I usually ask my clients to do is I ask them to hold it between a minute and three minutes because a emotion needs 30 seconds to three minutes to flow through. And if you can hold it for at least up to three minutes, you're pretty safe when it comes to that emotion. So I would say let's um, not keep going, but kind of um, alleviate this, this hunchedness. What do you feel like your body wants to do right now? Just make yeah. some like body wave movement. Yeah, go for it. Back kind of stretching <laughs> the spine. I don't know. Go for it. Taking up space, basically. Yes, yeah. do that. I think that's a great antidote to making yourself small. The first thing that Jasmine did without you guys seeing it, she like put her, her head up, which was really interesting. Like intuitively just put, she put her head up and like made a roll back up <laughs> into being straight again. So um, that's something that you can listen to. Your body usually tells you what's necessary. Your body tells you what you want to do. And so now she's just like rolling herself, shaking herself. And, and what's it feel like now? Do you feel that shame? It feels alchemized in some way. It dropped down into the spine in a very centered way and in a way where it really is like stabilizing my center. So it's like taking these heavy metal plates and forming them into something that supports you actually right now. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm so impressed. <laughs> yeah, I also think that... I'm feeling great actually. And it feels, yeah, it feels good. And I, I feel like that was really the embodied feeling of turning pain into power in some mm. way and really alchemizing it. And I also love to regularly do these exercises, these guided somatic practices. So to everyone who's listening and can highly recommend just like booking yourself in with someone with Chantal, maybe even if she has capacity, I know you're pretty fully booked. Um, and experience it yourself regularly because I know that like like seeing this now, experiencing this now and comparing it to myself like two years ago, one year ago, I don't know, like the capacity has changed so much. Like being able to quote unquote alchemize this so fast right now is a result of doing these practices regularly and working on it. Like, I, I don't know if you can sense that, but it's like you, you're having someone sit in front of you who's a bit experienced in those kind of fields. Um, so these things may move a little bit faster, but to everyone who's new to somatic practices and experiences, I would highly encourage you to not give up when the first like one, two, or even 10 sessions take a little bit longer than what's comfortable for you. Because we all start somewhere and that's exactly how you build your capacity for it, if I'm correct here. 
Yes, absolutely. And you can actually change can happen even quicker uh, than you think. There, there are so many people who've been stuck in freeze for months and months and months on end. And it took them five minutes with me with this kind of somatic practice to kind of feel what it feels like to be in the green zone again. Well, just maybe for a couple of minutes, because we always need to look at the underlying causes. We always need to look at what trauma, what type of um, suppressed emotion is really keeping you stuck where you are. And this is really what it's about in, in business as well. Like all of, all of our blocks, all of our shame things, shame blocks that are there are really just a result of our um, trauma and of our stuck emotions that we've not resolved and we've not integrated fully. Love it. Love it. Thank you also for letting me experience that again. I love to be... I love the experimental bunnies. <laughs> I love it. It was so, so fun. Um, I would like to tap back into like nervous system, shame convo and so on and so forth. Um, you said shame is like categorized within the realm of freeze. And when it comes to freeze, I know you're like, what, how do you pronounce it in English? Is it immobilized? Mm, yeah, immobilization. Yes, so, so what we did right now, was it a form of mobilization? Um, at the beginning, you mean the pendulum or the feeling of the emotions? Everything, like the pendulum in one way, and then also like letting your body lead you to do what it wants to do. Well, the thing with that is, so the pendulum definitely is a mobilization technique to get out of freeze. Um, however, I cannot uh, do this exercise with somebody who is not regulated. That means if you're still stuck in freeze, we have to regulate you, first of all, um, by, yeah, by doing pendulum movements, by shaking things, like shaking your body, by moving your body. So to mobilize your body. And then at the end, what I like to do is like a breathing technique like we did as well, um, which was the, uh, in this case, the vagal nerve breath which is inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth and exhale longer than the inhale. There's a second, like you can do this for four seconds and six seconds, but I don't like to stick to seconds because what if you just die? <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I don't want you to die. So um, <laughs> what if you just casually die in my session? Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I can't breathe into four and then you're like exhaling, like can't exhale to six. I don't want that to happen because you want to avoid within the nervous system response, you want to avoid stress at all costs. So if breathing causes you stress, guess what you're not going to do? I mean, you please, please continue breathing, but don't put stress on how you breathe then. And just intuitively inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth. And the feeling of the emotions, again, is only possible when you are um, in the green zone. So when you are regulated, otherwise you would have probably, I mean, you would have, I don't know. I've actually never tried doing that with somebody who's still in freeze because they will just go deeper into an immobilization if I ask them to feel shame. Because shame itself, if you can't hold the emotion of shame, if you can't... Um, process it through your body that means you're going to go into a freeze response and that's the reason for the responses because we do not have or many people do not have the ability to hold emotions hold feelings that means for example when we grow up as kids with parents that whenever we cry oh no oh no don't don't cry no 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 no, no. don't cry like 
that will teach you that sadness is not safe, right? So sadness is something you can't hold probably, which means when you are sad, you're probably going to go into freeze because sadness and freeze are also tied together. Um, anger, for example, as a child, when you were angry, you were punished. So you were punished for your anger means it's also unsafe to express anger. Same thing. You're going to probably go more into a fight response or other way into a flight response and fleeing from that, from that um, anger. So the same with shame. If uh, this is what we did was basically um, establishing a bigger um, window of tolerance, basically a bigger tolerance for shame so that you can hold shame and feel it and see, oh, and you can become the observer of your own shame, of your own emotions and be like, oh, interesting. I feel shame whenever I talk about this fact. Why do I feel shame? Let me, let me look deeper into that issue. Let me see what this has to do with maybe my childhood. It always does. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, let me see what this really has to do with me, with like in, in this case, with, with Chantal as a person, with Jasmine as a person, or does it have something to do with my programming or with my belief system or whatever? How do you really differentiate between it has to do with me as a person and it has to do with my like belief system? Hmm. Actually, I don't because it never has to do with you as a person. <laughs> that's that's always the belief system. Um, that's, that's interesting. And I love it because I think that could be very, very freeing for a lot of listeners to really get this like external validation for a moment of it's, it's, it's never you as a person who is flawed. Yes, it never is. You're always okay. You are always at the core. Okay. You're, you're not just okay. You're awesome. So whoever at the core you are, you're always that you're loved. You're awesome. You're a being of love and everything else. Imagine it as a, you're a marble, but, or, or like maybe like a, maybe like a shell, you know, a pearl that has this hard shell around itself at the core, you're you, you're that pearl and the shell just has to come off. I mean, this is not the way it should be in real life, you know, with environmental protection and so on. But just imagine that shell has to come off at some point because the shell is what your belief system is, what your trauma is, what all of that gunk and bullshit basically is that um, hinders you from shining, really. Yeah, beautifully put. All right. When it comes to business and shame, when we navigate towards the end of this episode, I know there's nothing such as a blueprint and nothing such as a follow step one and two and three, and it doesn't work the same for everyone. But if it comes to you talking about maybe your biggest game changer when it comes to handling shame in business, in life in general, as a person and also as a facilitator with your clients, what would you say would be the biggest like game changer that you learned about or the top three like tools or attitudes or whatever comes to, to mind for you right now? Sure. Thanks for asking that. That's a really good question. Um, I think the first and foremost is a safe connection. Whether the safe connection is with yourself, and obviously, if you feel a lot of shame, that may not be established yet. Having that 100% safe and secure connection to yourself. 
Well, in that case, if you don't have that yet, I would always suggest you to find somebody who can give you the safe and secure connection. This does not need to be a coach per se. This can also be a really good friend. This can be a parent. This can be brother, sister, whatever. So a person that you can share these things with where you will not be judged a place where you will really feel safe to be seen and a place where you can talk about shame and can alchemize that shame into something that will heal you at the end of the day. Mm, obviously, it would be much faster, <laughs> as we always say, if you do that with somebody who's experienced, somebody who knows how to create safe spaces and somebody who knows how to hold you in a professional manner at the same time whilst guiding you in your business decisions or helping you and asking the right questions in your business decisions, such as Jasmine does. <laughs> um so like this is the top one the one thing that you need is safe connection. The second thing that you need in my opinion is to be able to hold your emotions, to be able to because what happens if something makes you angry in business? Are you going to just burst and get angry and then be ashamed of that you were angry and lashed out on a potential client, for example. So all of these things is basically expanding your nervous system capacity, regulating your nervous system and expanding your window of tolerance so that when shame comes around, you won't, you know, fall into a hole and be all heavy with that big, big, uh, um, leaden jacket that will pull you down, but instead you'll be able to observe and see like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Let me take a look at that. Mm, and I think on top three, I would place reducing things that dysregulate your nervous system and fostering presence within your body. And what I mean by this is there are so many lifestyle choices that you can make that dysregulate you. For instance, I don't know, binge watching on Netflix hours on end instead of doing the work, not judging. <laughs> um, this basically means that this is also regulation method. And it's just important for you to know that your body actually just needs to binge watch something. And it's okay to do that without judging yourself or shaming yourself for it at the same time. But also just be very aware of your lifestyle choices. For instance, I don't even eat sweets anymore. I mean, other than in quite nice restaurants, but I don't have the need to eat um or fuel myself with sugar because I am not dysregulated anymore in my daily life. And this helps my business tremendously because I do not run my business from a rushed place anymore, from a fight place, from a, oh, I see not, why didn't she not join? She said she was going to join, but she didn't. Like, I don't even, I'm not even upset at anybody. Everybody has their free free will and free freedom of choice. So, um, and to reduce these lifestyle, I call them lifestyle inflammation points um, or lifestyle dysregulating things um, would be one step into increased presence is the thing that follows naturally, which means that you receive more time. When you think time's running out, that's a lie. That's a lie everybody tells you. There's enough time, so much time. If you just learn to maximize the present, if you learn to be present, to be regulated also means that I can spend hours or maybe just one hour with Jasmine and it feels like we've known each other a lifetime because we're so focused on each other. So that's what it means to foster presence. And in your business, 
that could mean being present with your clients at all times. When you write social media, being being present, what you do, what you write, instead of having 15 tabs open at the same time and jumping from place to place. And that can also mean um, getting sleep and getting rest. You know, you don't need to perform every day. You need some downtime too. So, yeah. Thank you for this casual love from your side <laughs> with, with every word that you just dropped here. I think that was a major permission slip for people to get out the hamster wheel, basically, and yep. practice being present. And I feel like when we talk about nervous system regulation, being present, being more focused and so on and so forth, for so many people, it's still a very like abstract concept. Because they're like, okay, yeah, but but how? But how? So <laughs> what would you what would you add to the list that we already like created in here for somatic practices for also being very, very aware of how you're actually behaving and thinking and feeling on a regular basis and catching yourselves in patterns that you wanna alchemize into something different, into something that's more beneficial to yourself? Is there something you would put into the quote-unquote like remedy or SOS baskets of dysregulation into regulation? <laughs> um, well, there's one that's a bit harder and there's one that's a bit easier. So the, the one that's harder is um, doing things slowly. This is super hard, especially for the fighters and flighters out there. For the freezers, it's actually easier because it also helps them to be like, hey, it's okay that you don't need to do everything fast. Um, and doing everything slower really gets you more into the present. That's one method. The other thing is really body work, somatic practices. And these somatic practices can be can range from <sighs> sighing <laughs> to laughing. Laughing is regulating as well. Co-regulation, talking to a friend. Um, and, and don't you think that I'm, I mean, don't even get the idea that I'm dancing in my apartment every day to regulate myself. Like, yeah, right. I don't even do that myself. You know what I do? I am in contact with all of my friends the whole day. Like, um, I'm also in contact with you and I just like, we just like shit talk about something so that I'll feel better, not about myself, but I'll just feel better and lifted. And so that's what I do with my friends too. So I just get in contact with them and be like, I'm so sad. I need to talk to you. And then they're like, okay, babe, let's get into a call. Let me hold you. Let me hold space for you. And it, of course, obviously helps that oh, half of my friends are coaches so that they can actually hold space for me. And um, yeah, so that's really co-regulation for the win, man. And Eating food, I mean, it, yeah, it's auto-regulation, but also that helps swimming, moving your body. For every one hour you sit, just move, just get up, walk from A to B, and then go back and sit down. Um, yawning, let me try that. So I'm sure half of the listeners <laughs> yawned with me. <laughs> So yawning, super regulating. Um, I yawn all the time when I'm in sessions with my mentor. Like I, I love it. It's I speak three words and then I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, and I'm like, and then she starts yawning and then I'm yawning and we're in this yawning <clears throat> tsunami and we're like, what the heck is happening? 
And I always thought I was tired when I did that until she told me she's also like a somatic yep. practitioner. She has been a, a psychotherapist for 10 years. So she she helps me very much with all these all these things. And she was like, it's actually like releasing something. And I was like, yep. okay, then there's obviously a lot to release right now. Let's continue the yawn. And I love it. Mm-hmm. It's also basically going into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the um, front. And we, we don't really, I mean, this is just a test, but um, if you turn around and if you don't look the person in the face while another person yawns, maybe that's a bit more difficult because looking into your face is also the expression of how we express love and how we express um, how we communicate. Well, because love can only be expressed through the face. Fun fact within the somatic, within the body. It cannot, it can also be expressed by hugs, but you can only see love in the face. And what does a blind person do then? Touch the face. And then just read the facial expressions. I'm I'm sure they can't because they can't always touch your face. <laughs> but then they use the sound, the voice and the, yeah. well, yeah. And the touch, I guess, but I haven't asked a blind, I should ask a blind person. Yeah, I know. That some. would be very, very interesting because it's a very, very interesting fact that you can like see the love on the face. And then I'm like, oh my God, but what about people that can't see? <laughs> yeah, they, they, they get very attuned to the tonality mm-hmm. of voices and they're probably really good at reading voices and reading like what a person feels like based on their tone. Like when they say, oh, I'm good or I'm good. You know, yeah, the difference yeah, between totally. Them. But also yeah. on the opposite, I mean, that's not a direction I wanted to go in right now, but I feel that it, I love it. Also on the other side, maybe they feel even less judged because they can't see all the judgy facial expressions. That must be, that must be, oh, top tip maybe for people who want to regulate themselves when it comes to holding and hosting masterclasses or workshops. There's a reason that I... A couple of like months, even years, I don't know how long I'm doing that already, switched from regular Zoom meetings to Zoom webinars where I see nobody. And it's not that (laughs) I don't want to see your beautiful faces, but for my focus, it's way more beneficial and healthy to not see hundreds of faces making some facial expressions. And then I'm like, oh my God, did I do something wrong did I like say something that wasn't like received well or whatever like I I don't want that I want peace when I'm hosting my classes so I I'm just I just want to see the slides and that's it so top tip from my end if you get easily distracted by seeing so many faces just turn them off funny that you say that I'm exactly the opposite but I guess that's also because of my line of work because I have to see their faces and have to check if they're doing okay otherwise they're probably in the freeze response in some of my uh meetings and like and I have to like check in and see like hey are you okay are you doing fine um I totally so, get that with one-on-one yeah. work masterminds like when we're in very like intimate containers I obviously and of course see my clients then as well but when you are like hosting teaching classes I mean for you when you guide the somatic practices or whatever it's obviously cool to see people and also be able to say like can you adjust this can you do this it would be crazy if you were in a gym class and the trainer would keep their eyes closed and (laughs) and just like guess what you're doing but yeah I think there's a format for seeing people and where it's very very nice and beneficial and then there's a format where it's not necessary and I know many people get very very nervous when it comes to 
hosting classes and then seeing all these faces. And when they're in this dysregulated state of taking everything personally, they're like, oh my God, they were looking, I don't know, they had this facial expression and that looked so judgmental when in fact they were probably just like uh, freezing at the screen and not even knowing that they're staring. <laughs> yeah, or just eating something and that's, yeah. True. Beautiful. Is there something that's on your heart that you're feeling like is so important to share to end this episode? Mm, so much. But I think at the end of the day, um, everything is everything is fucking within you. Oh. Like everything, every, all the answers to your challenges to your life is within you. It's not outside. It's always inside of you. If you learn how to regulate your nervous system, if you learn how to um, integrate your trauma, if you learn all of that, the world has nothing on you. Nobody has anything on you. You cannot be controlled. You will be free. Mm. <laughs> that was so beautiful. It could be like... A TV advertisement. <laughs> I, I I see the horse running through the desert and the eagle <laughs> screaming. I had this vivid image in my head when we when you were dropping your lines, and I love it. <laughs> so the last question I'm asking every interview partner on this podcast is Chantal. <laughs> yes. In your words, in your feelings and thoughts, what? makes a queen of hearts a queen of hearts oh, devotion mm. devotion commitment passion to her craft and to whatever this craft includes and whatever even without the craft even just as a person towards other people i think that's yeah that's what a queen farts is to me. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on here, sharing all your juicy and genius wisdom at us and dropping these beautiful or this beautiful mixture of absolute depth, absolute love, and also absolute like comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this. I love this mixture when it comes to you. And I'm so, so happy we did this interview. Thank you so much. We're going to link everything that leads to you, your pages, your offers, whatever is present currently for you in the show notes of this episode. And I suggest you listeners jump over to the show notes, go give Chantal a follow, go book yourself into a session if she still has sessions open for you and experience her magic yourselves. <laughs>